1: Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I'm Joel Kenalamessa. As usual, I'm joined by Ram Superfan Mike Rowe. And this week, we've got a special guest co host joining us, longtime ramnation.com community member. When I say long time, that's about almost 20 years now that he's been, been kind of part of the community and author of Crackers College Hoops blog. One of my favorite reads. We got to get him starting up here now that this, the season's approaching. Steve Ivey, Swole Cracker, as you may know him from Ram Nation very excited to have him sitting in here and sharing his insights and opinions today. He's a guy that I respect a lot. Very smart, has great takes, so looking forward to this conversation. Uh, Just a reminder before we get started here, get your picks into uh, the Ram Nation Skin Pick'em Contest, our 20th annual. It's free, it's easy. You just pick uh, 15 games against the point spread. Winner at the end of the year is going to win a shopping spree to Shields. And man, if you haven't experienced Shields, you got to go. I mentioned this last week and they have a shopping experience like no other. Uh, they've got a Ferris wheel, they've got a saltwater aquarium, 16,000 gallons, 22 foot wildlife mountain, a hall of presidents with life-size talking presidents, interactive games and simulators and a cafe. Plus they got the largest selection of sporting goods in Colorado. Uh, when you're in the market for sporting goods and Ram gear, give Shields first shot at your business. And then of course each weekly winner is gonna win free flights of beer at Mighty River Brewing Company. While the top finishers at the end of the year will also win growlers filled with the beer of their choice. Uh, Mighty River owners, Dan and Christine Miller, have been loyal Ram Nation sponsors for over a year now. So when you're thirsty, need a beer, get over to Mighty River and enjoy a couple uh, enjoy a couple of their beers. They got a couple dozen amazing fresh beers on tap. They often have music, live music there, food trucks. They got Pizza Vina next door so you can order pizza and have it brought over while you're enjoying your beer. And as always, show Ram Nation on your phone and you'll get a dollar off your beer. So appreciate them for all their support. They help us go. All right, fellas. Steve, how are you, buddy? Thank you so I'm much. I'm doing for great, us.
2: Joel. It's so good to see you, Mike. It's great to see you too. Um, I miss you guys. Um, obviously, with no sports going on and uh, no activities, and not having an opening day for football, uh, I certainly miss uh, miss seeing you guys. Yeah, I think the last time uh, last time we saw each other
3: was the last home game uh, for La- CSU basketball, and that was the last the last time CSU had a sporting event. At home or in the state of Colorado, so it's, it has been a while.
2: Yep, I remember that one well. I remember uh, uh, Nico Carvacho spending time with your daughter after the game. That was a special moment, uh, a special a special day for Nico too.
3: Yeah, it was it was great for all those watching all those seniors. And, and you're right. I mean, Nico, who was with his family, had no reason to even come up to the, just to say hi. I didn't even get a picture because I just was soaking in the moment. It was awesome. He's,
2: he's such a good kid yeah that was a that was a memorable a very memorable day i got uh with jason smith and andy Day there i was able to get a picture of those three guys three uh first team mountain west all-conference centers and uh, i know they appreciated it when i sent them the picture too i still stay in touch with uh with uh with jason and uh and andy and uh and they loved uh, they loved the picture
1: steve i know uh i know you had hip replacement surgery a while back, and you also had a recent fall. Does that mean you haven't been able to golf all year? Uh,
2: That means my golf uh, was put on hold. I played, uh, I I actually, about two months after my hip replacement, I I walked 18 holes with, uh, I played with uh, Aaron Katsuma, who's the director of basketball operations uh, at CSU, uh, men's basketball team. And uh, I was in pain for about three days, uh, very stiff, but I was playing. And I was starting to come around. I was actually getting in really good shape, but uh, the health clubs were closed and I was starting to fall a little bit out of shape. And I decided to go get a bicycle and ride the bike and had a bicycle accident and dislocated my AC joint and that required surgery. So golf is gone uh, pretty much through the year. Um, uh, I, I, I start PT next week and, uh, and uh, that, that'll go for a month and then I'll probably be cleared about November, but I won't be able to play until next year.
1: Might be a good time to get on a, on a bet with you next uh, spring while you're still. Oh, He's going to take my
2: money. It's <laughs> I'm not just injured. I'm getting old too. <laughs>
1: well, I got, I had a good fortune of playing uh, with Aaron as well. Uh, and coach Medved and DJ Johnson, uh Ram master out at uh, Colorado uh, TPC earlier. I like got right before all the quarantine start happened in early March. And, uh, and uh, that's a good experience. He's a good golfer. He's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're,
2: uh, I've had the opportunity to play. Um, I, I didn't play with Nico this year. I didn't get a chance to, but I played with him uh, when he was here as an assistant. And then uh, when he first came back, we went out and were able to play, uh, get out to TPC, get him out there with uh,
1: Ryan Williams and with uh, one of Ryan's assistants. Yeah. I mean, we caught it in you know early spring, so the, the course was still little brown and, and not yet really greening up and a little, little hard, a little firm, but uh, man, what a place that is. That's a heck of a golf course, isn't it? I'm very yeah.
2: familiar with it because the, I, you know, I'm working part-time over at Highland Meadows golf course and uh, Highland Meadows was developed by a gentleman named John Turner. John is one of the three partners over at TPC. Uh, and so uh, there's a lot of uh, interchange between uh, the, the Highland Meadows course and the, uh, in the TPC course I was lucky enough to play the TPC course before it opened so I, in fact I was the first person to play uh, one of the holes I was playing with uh, Chad Pyro who is one of the managing partners of Highland Meadows he helped work with uh, to get the uh, TPC course done and uh, Chad, Chad took me over there and I can't remember what hole it was but we were the very first to play one of the holes we didn't get all 18 and I think 14 were open by then
1: well, when you're back up and running, man, would love to play out, uh, play, play with you wherever.
2: I'll bring you up to Highland Meadows. Believe me, it's a, it's a heck of a golf course. It's, it's become the, the top course in, uh, in northern Colorado. And I hate to do a little promotion for them, but it really is. They hosted, they host the uh, Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, qualifier Monday, qualifier, mm. uh, hosts CGA events, a whole variety of things out there, and uh, the
1: players just love to come up here and play this golf course. So, we'll get you up there. I would love to, never play, and you can it. take my money. <laughs> uh, that, that's not going to happen. You could beat me with one hand behind your back, but but uh, hey, um, so we'll talk hoops here in a bit, but uh, are you going to put any preview up leading up to the season here? I know we you still know, pro- we're not will. going till late know, the, November, the tri-
2: yeah. The, the trickiest thing right now, um, is i like to i like to rely upon my eyes <laughs> and it's hard to use my eyes right now because right. Um, you know the they're not open to practices right now um and uh and so a lot of what i'll do is probably just try and talk with a few of the uh just to get it get some insight into the few of the coaches i think we know what we have coming back and i know we're going to talk about that a little later in the show but um it, It'll be really more trying to get insight uh, about some of the newer players and how they how we think that they might fit in, um, because there's a there's a rock solid core kids coming back that I think is going to be pretty exciting.
1: Well, I can't wait to talk to you about that. But um, and I would certainly love to kick off our show with that. However, big news from just last night. We're recording this here uh, Thursday afternoon, but uh, Wednesday evening, they finally we would be waiting for. Months now, the results of the investigation came out. They released a report. Um, And while there are some things that kind of make you go, hmm, in there, by and large, the results were a little underwhelming, indicated there's not really a pervasive systematic issue of racial insensitivities going on. There wasn't necessarily a rampant disregard for COVID protocols. Um, Joyce McConnell, CSU's president, said in a release that, you know, we agreed that the findings of the investigation are positive and reassuring overall. They also provide extremely helpful context and and recommendations. We are confident that our current CSU athletic staff will work with us to move forward as our football program resumes. So uh, I've got a few points in here, but uh, based on that, to me, sounds like no staff changes due to this investigation. Uh, Everything's kosher. So what were your thoughts as you kind of heard their response, the official response from CSU? And I don't know how much you've read into the report, but uh, just your overall observations.
2: You know, I I got a chance to kind of skim through it, uh, skim uh, mostly because it's hard for me to concentrate and read fifteen pages these (laughs) days. Um, But I I read I read both reports. Um, First of all, I you know I I I think it's fair to to laud uh, uh, President McConnell. for leading the, the effort. Um, it was done very professionally. It was uh, She reacted very quickly to something that was very, very serious. Um, and I think uh, what was put together um, and the conclusions are something that they're going to act on. And she's shown a willingness to act on it. Um, I've had an opportunity to work many years in a corporate environment where things like this kind of happen. Um, and you get trained, you go through a whole variety of things, and, and, and I, I, I also get the part where, you know, there's a lot of, sometimes things are said and they're meant differently, and, uh, and they're deemed as being insensitive, and there's a lot of that in the report. Um, and no one is, no one is, no one is uh, right or wrong, these things are said, um, and they just need to be dealt with. People need to be made aware that, hey, when you say su- such, and such, a, such and such a thing, hey, it, somebody might take it this way, and it hurts. Um, and it, it, it may be deemed racially insensitive. It may be just personally insulting. Um, but um, as long as they, uh, as long as they, uh, they, they take it uh, the next steps that they, they prescribed, then you're looking at, you're looking at a chance to build a stronger and stronger department. And with strength, hopefully, comes winning. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. You know, um, going off what you said, you know, Joel, I don't find it underwhelming. You know, I think that what they found was a lot of what we've already talked about, uh, a lot of things that we've alluded to. You know, they came out and said that there were numerous people that came out and, and mentioned that the stuff that did happen under Ovo was swept under the rug uh, by the athletic department. I think the findings, I would rather have it be so-called underwhelming than to come out and have like a bombshell that uh, completely blows up the, the program and the athletic department. So again, like, like what Steve said, you know, I think uh, president, uh, president McConnell handled it great. And it's, and it's the way you have to handle things now, you know, you look back and, and it's 2016 and the investigation with coach Ustachie was done in house. And what happened a year later, he was fired because, well, we don't know officially because it's uh, because they, they can't come out and say what had to happen. So I think, I think, you know, what, what the way it was handled was, was very professional. I know the I, friends that I know, know this company well, know this lawyer firm, bought law firm extremely well. And they say that what they do is that they're, you know, the best in the business. So, so for them to come out and, and, to share those findings, you know, I, I think it's a great move forward, and hopefully we can heal everything that has happened over the last uh, five and a half
1: years. So the firm that you referenced is Hush Blackwell. Uh, they interviewed 115 individuals, including 49 student-athletes, 63 employees, and a few other community members. Of that group, I mean, if you kind of do a little math, I mean, there's 10, 10-ish people that maybe spoke up in some sort of negative light in any of the, the matters, whether it was racial insensitivities or the issues with the COVID reporting and protocol. Uh, maybe 10-ish tops. So I mean, we're talking about 5 to 8% of the people that they interviewed had something even remotely negative to say, had something um, that they had witnessed or experienced. And that, I mean, that doesn't mean you discount the issues that they brought up by any means. Um, But certainly to me anyway, it indicates there was not a systematic issue going on where where things are widespread. You've got people that in a football program that's that big, that many people, there's going to be people who perceive things differently. Specifically regarding the issue of racial insensitivities, here's one quote uh, that the report said. uh, Student athletes, coaches, and other staff who participated in the investigation described a range of personal experiences, both good and bad, within their athletic teams and the athletic department. Most of the specific incidents described to us alleging racist comments or racial inequities involved former coaches. These incidents, although in the past, are still not, are still resonating with students and staff that are currently at the university. Importantly, the, spe- the specific allegations reported in the local media against head coach Steve Adazio were not substantiated during this investigation. So, you know, when we first talked to Anthony Hill, Mike, you know, we could kind of see that his initial issues lied with the previous staff. It lied with Joe Parker. Um, and then we kind of kind of got blurred over to the current staff. And we we, we tried to gently call him on that um, and ask him to say, how did you come to this conclusion that now, just because this happened under the previous staff that you're witnessing it with the, the current staff. And he actually backtracked a little bit and said that he couldn't. Um, he had not really necessarily witnessed anything with With the current staff, so for for me, that's that's a little bit of a relief. There's other things in the report that are concerning. I think, I mean, to a lesser extent, but I'm glad to hear that we're not seeing this this big issue with um, racial insensitivities with the current staff. Um, I think, and we'll I'll talk about this too, but I think there are some issues with the fact that some of this has been brought up to the athletic department and it's been unaddressed. But um, curious as to your thoughts on all that. Steve? Yeah, I, yeah
2: I I, don't know. I, I mean, I read a lot of the stuff and, and there seemed to be a lot of uh, uh, confusion where somebody might have s- would say, oh, this happened. And then there was some level of denial by the person that supposedly had not done what they expected them to do. And I, that always happens in these kinds of things. <laughs> we see it politically in Washington. We see it everywhere. Um and um, I, I think it's important to just focus on when, when people articulate these things, they're real. Um, mm-hmm. You have to deal with them. Um, you can't just say, oh, just because it can't be confirmed. Um, uh, it, it, it's, it, you know, it's a 50 50. It's a he said, he said, she said, well, when there's a he said, she said, it takes it takes two here. Um, both sides are wrong and both sides need to be dealt with. Um, you need to have things in place. And in terms of the you know I, I, the 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 the, uh, the racial the racial thing. I mean, we're all going through it, and I think we're all uh, as we as we get older and get hopefully a little smarter, um, we realize that there's some things that uh, that can always be done better. Um, and on the COVID side, I can I get that uh, <laughs> things might have happened a little. A little, uh, a little differently than what people might have expected. It was all new to us. A lot of the protocols were brand new and mistakes. It was easy to make mistakes and that's not an excuse. That's just reality. Um, and to recognize that, hey, uh, those things, some things might've happened. Some things might've been said in a certain way that maybe somebody didn't get a chance to think through because they weren't quite comfortable yet with what really had to happen with the COVID protocols. I don't know. I All I know is, um, there's things in those reports that need to be dealt with. Um, uh, and uh, and um, my hope and, and wishes are that uh, the CSU Athletic Department, um, led by
1: Joe Parker, will deal with them and deal with them very, uh, very directly. Here's, here's a list that I feel 100% aligned, Steve. Um, there, while I, I read the message boards, I've read Twitter, I see people just saying there, there's nothing to see here. I disagree with that. I think there are some things to see here. Um, and there are some things that need to be addressed and fixed. Um, you know, the the fact that there are a handful of people who clearly have felt their concerns have not been listened to uh, by the athletic department staff is a handful too many for me, you know, however many there is, I, that's too many. Um, I hope that they will find a, and put a system in place for going forward to accommodate those kind of concerns. I got a few things here I want to go through. and You guys can jump in and, and comment on them, but here are a few other things that concern me that do need to be dealt with. One snippet from the report said most of the specific incidents described in alleging racist comments or ra- racial inequities involved the former coaches and continue to resonate with students and staff at Uh, that are currently at the university. Many witnesses disputed allegations of a racially insensitive culture under former coach Mike Bobo, but many current and former players and staff who participated in the investigation alleged that a racially insensitive climate did exist in the football program under coach Bobo. I know specifically related related to, to athletic director Joe Parker, the report said some witnesses expressed skepticism regarding the athletic director's commitment to addressing racial bias incidents and a broader culture within the athletic department and you know there were several people the, the colorado encoded people there were the people here in this report that mentioned alluded to it we specifically talked to anthony hill who told us this directly and um, he said that he went straight to joe parker with his concerns and they went unaddressed so i mean it's something that co- positive comes out of this that cannot continue I- i've always liked joe I think he's a good leader, but if this, this part of it is true, he's got to figure out a way to change it. This has got to be addressed now. A couple more. Several football players that were interviewed said that Adazio interfered with a team march in support of a, Barry was, Wesley. Barry Wesley, offensive lineman who was, who was held at gunpoint in Loveland while working off campus, and the report said that several witnesses alleged that the football program did not do enough to support him and were dissatisfied with the march that occurred thereafter. Uh, One current player said that the march was too controlled by the coaches. And according to this player, the coaches told them not to carry signs and disagreed initially with wearing all black. And one staff member also said that Adazio was callous in his response to this particular student athlete. So, and then the last piece of the racial insensitivities that's kind of thrown at his current staff is that one witness alleged that head coach Steve Adazio attempted to interfere with the investigation and influence their testimony. Um, According to this one particular witness, Adazio told staff that they are employed in the football program because of his good graces. And during this investigation, he expects their absolute loyalty. So, I mean, this is like godfather type stuff, but um, (laughs) I mean, I I don't know. What's concerning a little bit to me is there's you know, where there's smoke, there's got to be a little bit of fire. There's got to be some truth, absolutely, to some ways, right? And and when I hear, I've been fortunate to be on a couple of the Zoom calls at the athletic department together with Coach Adazio, and he always says the right thing. He always says the right things. Very a great, comes off just sharp. He's a good quality leader, um, but you can kind of see that maybe what he does behind the cameras or behind the zoom or in public is maybe a little bit different than how he's acting uh, with his team. So I, it's hard to know what's real, but uh, I'm curious as to uh, from those things that I just brought up, any, any thoughts there between you guys,
3: you know, going back to Trey's to our interview with Trey uh, McBride, you know, he was, he was very quick in defending coach Adazio and the program. And I mean, he even said, he's like, I don't want to speak ill of the former staff, but I got to tell you about this current staff. You know, he, he was very uh, quick to defend them. wasn't he, uh, you know, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he didn't say the same thing about the, the previous uh, regime at CSU. And so, again, we talked about it. I, I think it's unfair that Anthony projected all that on coach adazio and his staff seemed like his issues were almost always with with bobo and and his time working under him and with with coach parker or coach parker joe parker and and the athletic department and that when it didn't end the way that he wanted he kind of put that on on coach adazio even though coach Adazio offered him a a position and offered to uh, mentor him to get back on the, on the field as a coach. So again, I think that's, it's a good thing to see see from the, from the investigation that, you know, those, those major issues weren't being directly pointed at coach Adazio. And again, going back to what, what Trey said, uh, as far as the March with uh, uh, Barry Wesley you know downtown he said that the staff was all for it, that they were really pushing it and as, as a something to, as a positivity to help you know get the message out that our our teammates matter our, you know our black lives, our black teammates matter to us. so I don't know I, I you know you got to take what's been said about the recent the new staff with a grain of salt?
1: Steve?
2: yeah i'm with you mike on that um i didn't have a chance to to listen to the interview with uh with trey mcbride what a good kid by the way um it's you know the the one thing that that and i'm trying to remember maybe i read it incorrectly when they talked about um Adazio and the march um there was some stuff in there that said that uh Wesley I thought it said that Barry Wesley wanted things underplayed a little more than what some people wanted um and um it seemed like that might have been what the coaching staff and what Adazio was was pushing was his wishes Wesley's wishes as opposed to uh, other teammates wishes that were looking to make it uh, a broader. A broader kind of statement rather than a, a march in support of uh, of what happened to Barry, which was obviously just horrible. So, yeah, you know, Steve, I think I think that was in the Sports
3: Illustrated article about about Barry. I think that he did mention that, that he wanted this to to be a lot more downplayed and didn't want the
1: kind of the circus that we'd seen in some of these other cities. Uh couple other things regarding the COVID protocols. Steve Adazio, one witness alleged that he explicitly instructed the team videographer to delete practice videos from the server in order to destroy evidence of the team's violation of the COVID-19 protocols. I mean, that right there, and he denied that. Adazio denied that, but that right there is a little sketch to me. I mean, if, if they purposefully, and it's weird because like Trey McBride said, absolutely not, I mean, if anything, they went overboard with their protection and their, uh, the rules they had in place. But how could there be such differing like viewpoints on this? But that's, that is a major claim. Like he's, he's instructing people to destroy evidence that they were, we were violating COVID-19 protocols. And then um, the other thing, and this is more funny to me, and maybe it's not necessarily supposed to be funny, but um, Adasio claimed that all the experts are wrong. It's all political. And that you know, people people in the investigation said that he's not understanding the meaning of stopping the spread. He's not totally bought into these protocols. He he compared COVID-19 to just the flu. So again, I mean, is this just some rogue person with an axe to grind? Is there some portion of truth to this? And if so, I mean, it it doesn't paint coach Dazio in the greatest light quite honestly because it shows to me that there would be a different side of him than what he comes across as publicly when I hear him speak I love it I mean I think he's great I think he's a great leader but this is this you know throws up some red flags and you know is there when you've got like we've said before when there are that that many people in a program you might have someone who just views things a little bit differently or someone who's just disgruntled and not real happy with him for maybe he didn't smile at them on the way through the uh, hallway or something, who knows. But uh, to me, this is, these kind of things, while you could laugh them off, they're a little bit concerning to me. On a grander scheme, uh, they, they basically said regarding the reporting issues, the mask wearing, there wasn't really anything damning in these reports that said they were blatantly violating this stuff. This stuff. So um, I, I, you know, I think that CSU, the, I, according to the vast majority of people in this report, said that CSU handled it well. So all that being said, guys, I, uh, you've probably seen people on Twitter. You've seen people on Ram Nation have said, Sue the Coloradoan for, for, <laughs> for going for, for bringing this up. Uh, don't ever click on any of their links. Cause you don't want to give them a, a dime, you know, for, for reading their stuff. I mean, how do you, where do you guys come in on this? Um, I personally, I don't fault them for their reporting. If they've got, X amount of people, even if they're unnamed sources that they, keep there, they don't want printed for whatever reason. Um, I think there were enough, that they felt like, okay, there's enough that we've corroborated the story. I think it's valid to report it, but I do think they sensationalized it a little bit. The hidden in plain sight crap a headline that they had, they seemed like to continue to needle CSU a little bit with follow-up stories that weren't really adding anything and weren't really bringing up new information. And they didn't ever really highlight the other side of the story when a lot of players and and people came out and said, this is absolutely not true. Um, I would hope that going forward after all this, they might do some follow-up stories that highlight the side that says, you know what, this was crap. You know, let's uh, these guys, these coaches have been nothing but straight up honest with us and they've done things right. I would hope that they portray the other side eventually, but what, what do you guys feel regarding the Colorado and, 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 uh, Joel, I'm, Joel, I'm with you on that. I, I, it's, it's. Uh,
2: there's always a fine line here. Um, the reporters, <laughs> they're paid to report, and if they find stories that uh, aren't being told, uh, it's their responsibility to tell them. Um, it's, uh, it's their responsibility to do balanced reporting. You don't want to just uh, report one side. Um, but I mean, I know a lot of these guys personally. I, I know Kelly. Um, I know uh, Kevin Lytle, um, I, know, I know Miles. Miles comes and plays golf every Tuesday at Highland Meadows. Um, and they get around town, these guys are regular guys and they, they are not, you know, the, when I see the sue them and this and that, they're not bad guys. They're just trying to do what they believe is the right thing and what their role is as a reporter. Um, I do think it could have been done better, as you said, in terms of balance, but, but that being said, I, it, it's out there. In the in the long run, CSU Athletic Department will be stronger as a result of uh, of their reporting, as long as they follow uh, what they prescribed in the uh, in the reports. You know, uh, when we talked when we talked with Kelly uh,
3: last month and the month before, you know, he flat out said they sell more newspapers when CSU is winning and they're writing great stories on on great teams than they do with something like this. So, do I agree with with every article that they wrote. No, I thought, uh, they did a piece last week that, I mean, honestly just felt like a slam piece when, when they were complaining about not having access, not having access to, uh, to practice. And, you know, one, we are in a we're in a pandemic, so they're not <laughs> letting outside people come in. So I, I don't know why they're so upset about that when practice is locked down, you know, for health reasons. And, you know, going on the other side, you know, when everyone's like, well, we need to sue them, like, never let the Colorado in again, this and that. And I'm like, you know what? Their job is like like Steve said, it's it's to report. Our job is to write whatever we want to write. You know, Steve, you got a great blog. I love I love reading it, but you write what you want, you know.
2: Absolutely.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. When we're when we're doing these podcasts, we talk what we want to talk about. You know, I, if
2: somebody have... wants to call me a homer,
3: that's all right. I'm a homer. Exactly. Exactly. So, so, you know, I, you know, I appreciate what they do and, and it's in, you know, the free press is what, what keeps institutions honest. And without that, then, you know, we have stuff that's hidden and, and, and stuff that gets a lot worse. So, yeah.
2: Absolutely. you know. I mean, I, uh, I don't know about you. I'm a pretty strong believer in the First Amendment. It's, yes. it's articulated in the First Amendment.
1: Yep. Well, I, I, I have a background in journalism, so um, I know where they're coming from. I, I believe in it, too, Steve. Um, but that being said, you know, this, the pot shot that uh, uh, What's-His-Face took with the Denver Post last week, you know, saying that something stinky is going on at Fort Collins, you know, with this, what's, what's taking so long? Why, why do you continue to talk about how practices are going when you haven't addressed the investigation? It's just, it's so easy to take pot shots. And you know what, no one's ever going to then come back and say, you know what, we were wrong. Or I took a shot at CSU and it wasn't warranted. You know, it, it's nothing's going to be retracted. Um, no, you just saw the Coloradoans' best attempt right there at kind of giving a, a fair unbiased recap of, of the report. I mean, they said, basically they, I mean, they admitted that the, the report basically said there was nothing really, truly damning. Yes. There's going to be some parts in there that need to be addressed as we just talked about, but you know, it's the heavy hand down on the CSU program. It already came. I mean, everyone was throwing their darts at CSU. Everyone on yep. social media was throwing their darts at CSU. Well, well just you to Joel, right?
2: remember, did were you on Twitter when Matt Stevens was ripping on CSU? Yes, <laughs> about yeah. a month ago. I and called him out on it. it. I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was you know, old Matt. Matt I, and I knew Matt very well when he was with the Colorado. Went down to work for the Post. He's now back in Charlotte, and uh, and he he managed to figure out a way to rip on CSU, and then a, an hour later a statement came out 180 degrees from what he was saying and he actually retracted what he did what he said on
1: twitter he did Um, so i remember i remember the comment and i i told him matt that was that was definitely uncalled for it was a cheap shot and uh he he did he did later on that day he he retracted it he said i apologize that was not the right thing to say but anyway so let's, let's, uh, let's get beyond that because uh, that was a painful couple months. Uh, you know, there's still some things they got to address. Uh, just some weird things that they've got to clean up. <laughs> Hopefully they, they do because uh, I'm tired of the bad press and, and I'm tired of focusing on things that are not on the field. Um, Mike, you and I talked about this last week about the football schedule inequities um, and why in the world did Air Force only have six games on their schedule least six league games and why does Boise and San Diego State only have seven games well I got the bottom of this so um, I talked to Javen Headland, who is a CSU alum he's also the associate commissioner of external communications at the Mountain West great guy in short Joel did did he take over for Dan Butterly nope nope Dan's position has not been filled but everyone has kind of been taking bits of his role Dan Dan, as you know, he was, he was a great friend of mine. And uh, I did great a job. lot of business with him with my, my company, Black Diamond Group. We used to do all of the, the commercials, uh, 10 commercials a year when we stepped the mountain for uh, promoting the Mount West. And it was by far my favorite account. Obviously, I'm a passionate about Mountain West and, and athletics and CSU. And so that was always great. But uh, Dan was kind of my in there. And Dan just took the job at the Big West, as you know. Um, and he had always kind of had his eye on, on going back to um, the Missouri Valley. And, uh, you know, he thought, you know, here's an opportunity to, to, to get a commissioner job at the big West and to get some experience and hopefully someday go back to the Missouri Valley or something bigger. And of course, you know, he just took that job several months ago and the Missouri Valley conference commissioner just stepped down. So that, that, opportunity would have been there for him to at least apply for. That's just ironic how that happens. But anyway, let's get back back on track here. The reason why Air Force only has six games, Boise State only has seven conference games, and San Diego State only has seven games, is because, all because of Air Force. Uh, The Mount West, when they put together their eight-week schedule, it had no gaps, right? So they start October 24th, that's two weeks from Saturday, uh, and it concludes on December 12th, and then the week after is the conference championship on December 19th. Air Force already had a game scheduled against Army on November 7th, so they're contractually obligated by CBS to play that game. So their hands were tied. So they were going to only have to only be able to play seven games in that eight-week schedule because they already had Army scheduled. Because of that, the Mountain West only solution would have been to basically randomly pick one team out of a hat to say, you are going to lose your eighth conference game since the Air Force cannot play you. Then you added the fact that Air Force also had scheduled back in June that their finals week was gonna be scheduled the week of December 7th. They cannot play a game that week because of the structure of their classes. It basically eliminates all opportunity for practices and competition that week. So that cut them down to six games. And because of that, that means that two teams would be randomly drawn out of a hat to lose a conference game. So the choice was either that You're going to randomly tell someone that you only get seven games or work with teams that already had a non-conference game slotted that can be worked into the schedule. Boise versus BYU was already on the, their schedule for November 7th. So that worked. That was an easy, here you go, without having someone to scramble to find a, an eighth game. Uh, and then the other one was San Diego State, who, for whatever reason, they had, they had the ability to offer up and say, look, we're willing to play on this open date. And we're willing to travel even to go to BYU because that was, I guess, uh, something that BYU needed was another home game. It allowed them to slot that in, and everyone else to continue with an eight-game schedule with very little heartburn because of Boise and BYU, which was already set in San Diego State being able to fill that spot. So that's why. I mean, we, you, and I, Mike, were scratching our heads last week, going, "Why in the world would they do this?" That's why. Um, personally, I'm disappointed that BYU benefits from this because. I don't like them in the way that they left the conference a decade ago, but in this case it works out for mutual benefit. You know, this is a topic for another day. I would love to have BYU back someday because I know a lot of people disagree with that, but I, I love rivals, I love teams to hate in the in the conference. It makes schemes more meaningful meaningful and fun. But that I wanted to make sure I shared because uh, I, I just talked to Javen yesterday and and he cleared that up. So you no, know, I was I was having a conversation with the Wyoming
3: grad and fan last saturday and you know that my my
2: condolences i know right
3: (laughs) i know i know (laughs) and uh and the topic came up with with the schedules and and how you know there there was that inequity with that and how byu for some reason is is benefiting and right you know both of us kind of agreed this might be their foot back in the door uh in the mountain west you know i know that that they thought that they were going to get this huge windfall uh, going independent and, and having that, that TV deal with ESPN and being able to keep BYU TV. And it just hasn't come to fruition. So, and they just don't have a chance to win conference titles. You know, they won the, the national title back in 84, but they n- see the writing on the wall. They're not Notre Dame. They're not going to be able to win a national title ever. You know, unless they are in a conference and the Big 12 didn't come calling, Pac-12 will not come calling. So, I, I, I honestly, I see it as a, as a matter of time before they're back in. And and I could see Hawaii going independent or uh, San Jose State going.
0: <laughs>
1: or just, S- just jettison those guys. Right. <laughs> Other piece of this, uh, I also asked Javen while I had his ear um, what's happening with bowl games because we were wondering that ourselves last week. With, you know, Are we going to see bowl games being canceled? We saw the Hawaii Bowl canceled this year. Um, he indicated that it's all based around you know ESPN, who owns some of these bowls, and the bowl partners themselves on how they want to move forward. Apparently, all of our partners, aside from the Hawaii Bowl, want to move forward if they can, so they're hoping that the new LA Bowl happens, the Arizona Bowl happens. New Mexico and Idaho, uh, New Mexico, they still have to get approval from their governor. Uh, obviously they've got some restrictions going on there. Uh, and then Idaho is they've said they are a go as long as ESPN wants them to. So, um, it'll be weird. I mean, bowl games, are there going to be fans there probably in minimal, minimal quantities, but, um, having the ability to play a ninth game, I think is important. I would lo- as a fan, I would love to have another, another, opportunity to watch the team play. I know that uh, players would probably love the chance to compete to get into a bowl game. Uh, and then when you, when you look at CSU, I would love to see us start competing for a conference championship. And so I missed this the first time around, but there's going to be no divisional champs this year, right? There's, they're just taking the top two finishers in league play. So that, uh, you know, that allowed the league to have more flexibility in their scheduling and kind of ease some of the inequities. If there were games that got canceled, you know, then it would really put a, a, you know, one of the divisions at a disadvantage, and this helps alleviate that. So AD signed off on it. Steve, I, I, you know, just talking specifically about CSU, how do you think, and do you have any impressions on how you think this program under new leadership might fare? Can, can they, compete for a bowl game i don't even know what that means you know yeah. is it is that three four wins five wins what what was that mean <laughs> your can- your guess
2: is as good as mine right now yeah. i can they i obviously they can there's enough i i think if you look at uh, uh the, the returning uh players there's a there's a good number of returning players but there's still some issues with uh with the team in terms of uh, in terms of talent, obviously not having Warren Jackson is a big deal. That kid was amazing. I think I, I'm of the opinion that Warren Jackson was going to be the best of the receivers we've had over the last five years. Better than uh, better than Gallup, better than Hollywood, better than BC, better than Preston Williams. I think he's headed. He was headed to have the absolute most unbelievable senior year. Um, I think he's going to be a very successful pro. But that's obviously a huge loss. Um, I think there's some deficiencies that they're trying to fix on the offensive line. That was a problem the last couple of years. And if that continues, there's no way they're going to be a bowl team. I I'm sorry. And I know they brought in people from Boston college, um, hopefully to, to fill in on the line, but, uh, that's one of those. Um, I got to see it before I, before I believe it. I also don't know if we have quite the stable of running backs that we had a few years ago as well, when we had, uh, the guys like Dale and Dawkins, even Marvin Kinsey, before we ran into the issues with him, we uh, we had some pretty strong backs and I'm not sure if they're if we have that. Strong quarterback, good receivers. Defensively, they look solid, even on the, on the defensive line at linebackers, but your guess is as good as mine if they're going to be more than
1: a 500 team. Mike, do you think, uh, do, you know, what would you be happy with? 500, above 500? Nothing short of playing in the conference championship game? Well, I, I'm, I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, the, one of the four
3: in the uh, playoffs um, they go nine and zero, and then get that <laughs> fourth pick. So, um you know, you, 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 look at, you look at the last two years, how many games, I mean, last year, I think we had a lead in every game in the second half except for San Diego state. And that was a, uh, what, a 14, uh, seven, halftime game. And, and uh, we got stopped on fourth, fourth and goal right before halftime, but we had the lead against everybody else uh, in in most of those games in the second half, we had the lead and we lost them. And why did we lose them? Because of penalties, because of turnovers. And what are the two things that Coach Adazio's teams are known for? Few penalties, few turnovers. Um, I mean, I think if we just clean up, clean up a little bit, you know, we're not going to lose. You know, some of those games, we're not going to lose the Wyoming like we did last year. We're not going to lose to, the to Air Force where we had the lead going in the fourth quarter and lost by 14. Right. You know, I don't think we lose games like that, like we did last year. So I, I could see us going five and three, uh, six and two. If we can clean those up, you know, again, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to, to to turn a ship around you know, and, and you, again, you look at, at coach McElwain it is the same thing. Whenever he was coming in, we, he was coming into a program that was sloppy that lost games that they shouldn't have. And, you know, he won four games. He went four and eight that first season, but then eight wins, 10 wins. So hopefully it's a quicker turnaround than what we saw with, with, with coach Mack. Um, But I think, Again, if we clean up we clean up that mess, I, I, I see a lot of wins, a lot more wins than, than what we've seen lately.
1: And how about uh, the conference as a whole? Usual contenders, you think? Boise, San Diego State, any others that catch your eye? I mean, Air Force obviously was really good last year. They looked really good against Navy. You know, it's hard to read into that. I think they were really motivated uh, to win that game. And I combined with the fact, I don't think Navy is very good this year, but um, who else who else you think is is up there? I think you're
2: crazy if you don't consider Wyoming. I mean, Bulls yeah. done a
1: good job every year. They,
2: Everybody goes, oh, they're down this year, and every year they figure out a way to win games. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a style that they play. They're rugged defensively, and they have a good running game, and quarterbacks that can't throw other than when it matters, you know, in the fourth quarter and the last drive. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't count them out. I'm not sure about Utah State this year. Um, I'm definitely not sure about New Mexico. Um, the, uh, the other ones, Fresno, I'm not sure how good. And obviously San Jose state, uh, Hawaii, I don't know enough about, but I'm sure San Diego state will be uh, solid as, as always. Um, but you know, they've got a new coach too. So, and yeah. I, I, know he's been there. Um, but anytime there's a change, you, you just don't know.
3: Yeah. And my, you know, my feeling is why not us? Why can't, why can't I we agree? You know, in what in, in
1: the top two, three, top one, You know, we've talked, there's, there, like you said, there's talent, there's talent. There are some gaps, as Steve said, Uh, offensive line is a major concern, but there were so much, so many issues with penalties, so many issues with, with mistakes, you know, in key situations where we were just in undisciplined. And there's also just a major lack of toughness that I'm hoping that this staff can help bring a little more attention to detail and a little more toughness.
2: Yeah, you know, and, and the one thing, and Mike, I'm, I'm with you in terms of why not, why not CSU, um, you know, Adazio, what, what's his background, he's an offensive line coach, right, <laughs> I would assume that we'll see the biggest change there, uh, just based on, uh, on his background,
1: so. Hey guys, great stuff. Uh, we'll get we'll get talking into some good hoops. I know we're running a little long, Steve. Hope you're still good to hang with us. I'm doing good. We're probably going
2: to go out to dinner tonight, so all right, well, <laughs> we're we'll, all we'll, good.
1: All right, buddy. Well, uh, hang with us. Thanks so much, Rain Nation Radio. Well, that wraps up part one of our show with special guest co-host Steve Ivy. We'll be bringing you part two of the show next week when Steve, Mike, and I – Take a look at the restart of college basketball season. We'll take a look at Steve's prognostications for the team, his expectations, returning players, what he expects out of certain players, who's gonna fill in for the departure of Nico Carvacho. Uh, We'll look at some of the incoming freshmen. It'll be a great deep dive into CSU men's basketball. Uh, Before I let you go, remember to support our sponsors that are what make us go, and we're important to them as well. We did not get a chance to talk about Ginger and Baker today. This is one of my all-time favorite places the cash restaurant is open they've got probably a few weeks left of good weather here where you can eat up on the rooftop they've got the cafe the market the bakery the coffee shop open for in-person and carryout dining they offer their mix and match meal plans for takeout or delivery which allows you to take some nights off of cooking at home ginger is one of my favorite people just an awesome person a great supporter of ramnation.com please support her and ginger and baker thanks so much for all of you for listening